Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back, everybody. This evening, I'm really excited to be interviewing a good friend and business partner of mine, Timber Lee. We're here in Wichita, Kansas, which is Timber's hometown. Timber grew up here in the local area, was a three-sport all-state athlete, probably most famously known in the local area as a all-star pitcher who went on to be recruited by Wichita State University, was an all-star pitcher there at the collegiate level. Uh, multiple times r- their team was ranked number one in the country. Timber was drafted, uh, was so good, was drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers as a junior, turned that down, came back for a senior season, and was then subsequently drafted by the Angels and played for many seasons in, or three, four seasons in the minor leagues, and then left professional sports and became uh, went into commercial real estate. Uh, Timber's been a serial entrepreneur in his career, 13 years of learning uh, commercial real estate with a firm and then ventured out on his own. Uh, comes from an entrepreneurial family, so he's got that entrepreneurial DNA hardwired into him from a very early age. But in the course of his career, he's been involved in 10-plus businesses, and everything from real estate to sports, trampoline parks, ice cream parlors around the country, uh, direct sales companies, and AI and data analytics companies as an uh, investor. And so, Timber, I just want to say, this is one of the things that I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last couple of years. I really enjoy getting to work with you. Uh, it's been a, a pleasure. I, every single time we get together, I learn from you. I love serving with you on uh, various boards. And so, uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity tonight just to kind of tease out some of the stuff that I think I already know that I think our listeners would really find fascinating, but even more importantly, to maybe even discover some things that I don't know about you. And we'll just kind of see where the, the conversation leads. But I just want to say thank you for being here this evening. Thanks for having me. No, the uh, feeling's mutual. I've had a blast uh, working with you and getting to know you as well. And yeah, I look forward to this conversation. It'll be fun. Well, let's, let's, let's dive in. I mean, I've given... Uh, our listeners a little background on the various things that you've done. One of the things that I, th- I find fascinating is that when it's easy to read a leader's resume and bio, right? You, so you, you and I are roughly the, the, the same age. And so you've lived enough life now that you have a very impressive bio and accolades and things that you've accomplished and if we just spend all of our time focusing in on that, I think it leaves out some of the most important things where I've found that leaders really get their learning. It's like a, a real-world MBA. And so un, what I've found is that a lot of times those those resumes don't really highlight all of the the low moments. That They don't highlight the failures. They don't highlight... The, the, those moments of struggle that actually make somebody who they are. So you're super successful, but you found yourself in your career for actually quite a, a, a season of time where you were, memory serves me correctly, 100, 000, 100 plus thousand dollars awesome. in credit card debt, 
struggling, things aren't working out, you know, you're at, tell me a little bit about that time and tell me about how that helped you grow and become the, who you are today. Absolutely. Um, well, kind of back to, back to what you were talking about before, as far as the 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 failures and having that perspective. My uh, my my late grandfather was a was a mentor was a mentor in my life for a lot of them. I had him I had him around a, quite a few years mm-hmm. uh, growing up. In fact, I'm I'm 42 now, and he just passed away about a year ago. So I had him for a, a lot of my formative years there, and uh, he taught me as soon as I got done with baseball, and he was he was all for me going into commercial real estate because he knew what it would do for me. He said, Hey, you're going to be around all these old, old codgers, old business owners. He says, after you prove what, uh, why you're there. And after you get your business done, mm-hmm. ask him for a few more minutes and ask him one question. He said, ask him if you had to do it all over again, what would you do the same? What would you do different? And why? And mm-hmm. he goes at that time, Timber shut up and listen. And he was just that old, old yeah. school guy. And what was amazing to me is these these entrepreneurs wouldn't. I mean, these guys were hundreds of millions of dollars in net worth. Um, I mean, just crazy wealthy. Many owned many companies, and then what they would tell me about was you're their a young failures. whippersnapper. Oh, I'm still wet behind the ears, just hope you know, hoping I can earn a commission off of a brokerage deal. Mm-hmm. And here I'm asking them this this question, and it kind of floored several of them. They sit back in their chair. And some of them would give me five minutes. Some of them give me two hours. Mm-hmm. And literally, Priceless. oh, it, it, that, that was a college. I never graduated college. We can talk about that later if you want. But I never graduated college. That was an education because they wouldn't tell me about typically the, the big successes. Mm-hmm. They would tell me about the lessons learned in the valleys. Mm. And, you know, little did I know that, I mean, when Jennifer and I got married, we've been married 13 years now, got four beautiful, healthy kids that for the first probably eight years of our life, I mean, when we got married, I was like, I had some real estate, I had some duplexes, had, you know, six figures in the bank. I mean, I had tiger by the tail. I I mean, I was like, okay, I got this thing licked. Mm -hmm. And it was like God knew that he had to surround the wagons and shoot in. And it wasn't like one storm or two storms or three storms. It was everything he could because he knew I was thick headed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to. I had. He had yeah, to humble me. Storms come, oh, come through. It was. It was the trifecta. It was the perfect storm, and you know, finances and family problems, and you know, during that time, my wife had several miscarriages, and I mean, it was just everything that drove me to my knees. But during those probably six to eight years, I mean, the economy and real estate in 08, 10, 12, I mean, it sucked. Mm-hmm. And so here I was, newly married, you know, kids being, you know, coming along, trying to figure this whole thing out, and it, it was unbelievable. Um, I think I was telling you earlier, uh, broke was a goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could just get to zero, it would have been a glorious day. But the, the lessons I learned on the pitcher's mound, when things weren't going well, when things were going well, you had to have that emotional quotient, that EQ, that nobody around you could tell, whether it was the greatest day or the worst day, and you had to have that, just that solid as a rock. I mean, inside, you had the weight of the world on your shoulders because mm-hmm. you didn't know how you were going to get out of this alive. Mm-hmm. Creditors are calling. You didn't. I mean, I leveraged everything except for my kids. Mm-hmm. 
you know <laughs> you know when you're in a pond it's pretty humbling when you're in a pawn shop and you know that you put a bunch of stuff that glitters on a table and they run a magnet over it and if it sticks that means it's not worth anything mm-hmm. i i know what that feels like mm. you know to to rummage through and hopefully you find a silver spoon in your the china that you can go pawn somewhere to see if you can pay the electric bill next week mm-hmm. and then on the outside you're out there trying to go hustle and trying to you do real estate deals and I've never had a W two outside of playing baseball. So I ate what I killed. Mm-hmm. And so it and then there's a lot of years there that we didn't kill very much. And so it was it was tough. It sounds like things there's a couple things I want to kind of tease out of this. Um oh seven, oh eight for those people who lived through it, especially that those who were uh, in, remotely uh, tied to the real estate industry. I mean, ha- still have nightmares about that. So it sounds like things turned relatively quickly. You're an entrepreneur. You've had a lot of success in life. Uh, you've been a you know professional baseball player. And ha- was that your first major failure or where you found yourself in that you said the perfect storm? Or had you been prepared prior to that to be able to weather it, or did you, or I was I'm just trying to understand where mm-hmm. did you, is did you start to learn how to weather those storms during that period, or were you prepared for it? You know, that would probably be. I mean, if I look back on my childhood, I mean, I raised in a great home. Parents were still married today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great Christian home. They always came to my stuff. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was a great all-American childhood. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a whole lot of wants and need. They, they taught me how to work hard. So it was, it was like the things that were being instilled in me that I didn't even know were there, were there, mm-hmm. but they'd never been tested. You know, the true test of a man is not, you know, during the, the great times, it's when, when crap hits the fan, mm-hmm. how do you react to it? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I didn't have a... You know, besides being on a mound, I mean, yeah, you got 20, 30,000 fans, you know, with a name like Timber, there's a little bit to jeer about, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I got called everything in the book. And so minor leagues are getting beers pulled on top of your head when you're in the bullpen. I mean, right. just, it's nutty. But, uh, you know, that's, that's. You develop a little, some thicker skin. But I mean, when you go through that in 07, 08, and all of a sudden your entire a family, for, yeah, your, your entire family fortune's on the line and. I would sit out on the deck at night, uh, two, three o'clock in the morning. The family would be asleep, and I was just—I'd sit out there and stare at the stars and say, "One, I don't know how I got here, and two, I don't know how I'm going to get out." Mm-hmm. But I know one thing: is I'm not going to quit. I'll wake up tomorrow. I'm going to strap it on. I'm going to go at it again, and I'll do it the next day. And I'm going to do it the next day. And I'm going to—you know—it really drove me to my faith. Um, you know, just not not being anxious about tomorrow, but yet I still had to go out there and perform. Because mm-hmm. if, if, if I wasn't anxious, but I stayed at home, mm-hmm. none was going to happen either. So I had to go out there and, and keep slaying the dragons and keep moving and keep moving and keep just trying to do and just trying to discern what direction and what God was trying to teach me through those years. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like year one, year two, year three, and it was five and six. I'm like, all right, God, <laughs> have I learned a lesson yet? Mm-hmm. So it was, it, was, it was rough, but that was the first real test of a lot that, yeah. Would you, would you say that a do not quit attitude is a key skill for an entrepreneur. What would, what would you list if someone were to say, Hey, what are the key skills for an entrepreneur? Would that be on there? What, what would your list be? You know, definitely, uh, is it Angela Duckworth Mm -hmm. wrote that book grit? Oh yeah. And absolutely, um, grit and, and it's going to be defined in so many different ways. Right. 
but uh, having that thick skin, having that grit that you're going to power through things, not uh, not giving in to, to the fear that is so prevalent, you know, and, you know, action, in my opinion, action cures fear. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And in fact, I got a funny story about that. Just um, this summer, my, my little six-year-old, uh, his name is Timber actually also, um, we went to Worlds of Fun or Oceans of Fun here in Kansas City. And we, it was a probably an eight-story uh, water slide. And I'd been down it a couple times, and so I knew that it wasn't scary for him, but he was scared to death. Mm-hmm. Looked up at this meme, just mammoth of a, a water slide, and I mean, he, was, he wasn't going to do it. So I grabbed the tube, and I said, nope, let's go. We're going. And he's like, no, 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 no. I mean, and he's like screaming at me the whole way up. I mean, these lifeguards are looking at me like, hey, dude, I'm going to call 911 on your butt. Are you kidnapping this kid? Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you, what are you forcing this kid to do? I'm going to call, I'm going to call child services on you. Right. You know, and so he's screaming at me, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, where he's still walking up, walking up. We're literally in the chute, ready to go. We're next. And he's screaming at me, no, daddy, no. I mean, the lifeguards are really looking at me like, okay, you're dad of the year for sure. Yeah. And literally by the time we get down the slide and hit the water, he is screaming, Dad, that was awesome. We got to do it again. I mean, I think we went six more times. Mm -hmm. The action cured the fear. Now, I knew it was going to be great because I'd been down it before. Mm -hmm. But I knew that he didn't know that yet. But he had to act and push through it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he would have gone home that night and still been scared of it the next day. Yeah. And it's probably the fear gets bigger it gets and bigger, bigger and yeah. bigger, and it becomes something that is uncontrollable about something that never should have been there to begin with, mm-hmm. you know. And so, this that that ability to press press the rudder forward, press the stick forward, um, to have that EQ, that emotional quotient, to where it can be the worst day, it can be the best day. You can be getting calls from creditors. You can be get IRS bill. You can do whatever, and then you have lunch, right? Mm-hmm. That's the story of an entrepreneur. Is like right. you can have a great day, worst day, bad day, horrible day. It's amazing. All, all on the same day. All yeah. this, and then you go out and have lunch, and then you have the second half of the day. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nuts. You and I have experienced a lot yeah. of those calls together, for sure. And but that's you got you can't ride the emotional roller coaster, and being able just to press through the day and press through and make those tough decisions and be able to make a decision. Mm-hmm. You can't procrastinate. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think far too often uh, the inability. Everyone's like, "Well, you, you'll see people who have an inability to make a decision, and or they're trying to make the perfect decision." And there's a lot of situations where I mean, I, my brother's an Army Ranger, and we had similar type mottos when I was uh, served in the Air Force. But leaders have to make decisions, especially in a crisis, especially under stress, and a a well thought out but maybe slightly imperfect decision that, that forces action is better than uh, paralysis analysis where you're seeing they're not doing anything. And so absolutely. I think an entrepreneur absolutely has to be able to make, make decisions. And look, you're going to make mistakes. I think there, there's another thing that I would say that I've learned in my career is I see people who are successful. I see folks who are failures. Virtually, w- without a doubt, Folks that I have seen fail in business or fail as an entrepreneur, they ha- they don't have the ability to make a decision, and they are terrified or are scared of making a mistake. The, the the inverse of that is successful entrepreneurs will make a decision and they're not afraid of making a mistake. They know they're going to make a mistake, but there's like, hey, it's it's part of my education. I'm going to pivot, iterate. Oh, you, I mean, you hit on honestly, you touched on something there that's it's 
been ingrained in me for forever is don't be afraid of failure. You can't go through life being afraid of failing because really in those failures, as I was mentioned before, are where the gems are. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you go and say, you know, until I get perfect at that or until the stars are perfectly aligned and everything is just exactly right, then I'll do it. You'll never do anything. Mm-hmm. And so an entrepreneur has to, you cannot be afraid of the failure. And you, in fact, those are, I mean, I'm reading a lot of books right now about uh, some of the major corporations that are out there today. Mm-hmm. And especially in this whole, you know, Silicon Valley, all these different startups mm-hmm. and how many of them actually, what we see today as the, multi-billion dollar companies were actually the result of multiple failures leading to mm-hmm. what we now see today. Now, from the outside looking in, it's like, oh, that was their plan all along. Actually, it looked totally different. Right. That was after four failures and they stumbled into what yeah. we now see as XYZ company. Right. I, I, I love those stories. I think the, the one of the ones I was reading about recently was, uh, I think it was Instagram. Yes. And they had, and they had originally started out. The name of their company was Bourbon, and they had a completely different <laughs> business plan. And they're just like Pinterest was another one. Yeah, Snapchat's another Twitter. one. Twitter's another yeah. one. They all started out thinking well, we're going to go do X, and then something happens, and they pivot. And we're like, and I think I'll re- re- on the Instagram one, they realized that you know people, it, this their whole Bourbon business plan wasn't working. And, but they noticed that there was this feature that all their users were uh, on their the camera. And they're like, hey, let's pivot and let's focus in on this. And this is what we're going to do. And they launch it. Next thing you know, it's Instagram. Next thing you know, it's getting bought by Facebook. So, yeah, you you have to be open-minded and say, okay, look, we're going to go down this path. But there's going to be – we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to pivot. We're going to get better. And, you know, it's it's interesting. That is like the business plan in Silicon Valley. Absolutely. Um, you know, being a, being a, a jock or an ex-jock, um, a lot of the, the lessons I learned, obviously, were from the, the pitcher's mound. But one of them that sticks out to me, it, it involves failure, but it also involves, someone's always looking. And there's always a lesson to be learned is that um, I was in high school, I was being uh, scouted by the, the Texas Rangers. The scout had been out to see me several times. And he, um, I went out there ready to throw great. And it was it was one of those nights that anything I threw, they hit. I mean, mm-hmm. it was Chuck and Duck. Mm-hmm. I think they hit three home runs off me, and it was just, it was the worst game I had all summer. So I walk out of the stadium, and the scout comes up behind me and says, hey, Timber, come here. I'm like, oh, great, here we go. And I come up to him, he goes, hey, great game. And I'm like, I'm not sure what game you were looking at, but I don't consider that a great game. He goes, no, I wanted you to lose. I'm like, all right, buddy, that's strike two. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to come watch anymore. And he goes, no, I wanted to see you fail. I wanted to see how you bounced back. I wanted to see how you took it, whether you started blaming people around you, whether you, your, your EQ, he didn't use those words, but that's what it was. He wanted to see whether what my countenance was on the mound, what, how I handled the failure, how I handled the people around me, whether I blamed other people, you know, all those things that I parlayed into my business world, mm-hmm. into my business life of, you know, Take the, take the good and throw it out the window to mm-hmm. praise others and take the bad and say, hey, own it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's he wanted to see that on a, on a pitcher's mound, just like I want to see it every single day in my life, in my businesses. Yeah, because he, he intuitively knows you're not going to win every game. Mm-hmm. 
you're going to end up facing a whole lot of adversity. And, you know, I, you know, one of the adages that I've heard often uh, with, from my friends who are either running businesses in Silicon Valley or are VCs there, but there's an unwritten rule that a, a lot of VCs won't invest in a founder entrepreneur who has not experienced failure. Mm. They, they, they want to know, you're like, look, you're going to run into these brick walls. How are you going to handle it when you do? And you don't want to put, you know, tens of millions of dollars on the line with somebody who's going to go crawl in the corner and wet on themselves as soon as they run into that one of those roadblocks, right? Absolutely not. You want that thick skin. You want that that battle hardened guy that you knows it don't because it, it's not a matter of if it's when mm-hmm. and how hard you're going to get hit. And so spitballs on a battleship for sure. So l- let's go back one of the two. An, an earlier point that you were making, and I think we we went down a really valuable uh, trail there to tease some stuff out. But I want I want to go back to that earlier point that where you were talking about how you were reaching out to seasoned veterans within the commercial real estate business, and it was this wise sage advice from your grandfather. Said, "Hey, look, ask them some questions. Ask them about what they did right, what they would do over, what they learned from it. How many of those." individuals so that you ask that question how many of them said no nah, timber i'm not i'm not going to give you any information i'm not i'm not going to help you none zero literally to the man if it was even five minutes that five minutes was still the immensely valuable mm-hmm. but n- none of them in fact multiple even said i can't i, I appreciate that question young man can you set an appointment with me and come back or I'll, I'll tell you, I'll buy you lunch and let's go and we'll, we'll talk through that. I mean, I, none of them backed away from that question because I think as an entrepreneur, when you've been through those things and you see somebody that's out there saying, teach me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm listening. You, when you've been through that, that path, you can't help, but pay it forward. Mm -hmm. You can't help, but, but, pull back the shirt and say, see that scar right there? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about that decision. Here's what, how that impacted my life. You know, I, I majored in entrepreneurship at, uh, at college while I, was, while I was there, and there was, a, there was a very distinct difference between those professors that were business owners that had either were doing it in their off time or, you know, and kind of later in their career, and then those that were basically teaching from theory from a book they read the night before. Mm-hmm. And the could have even been the same words but the meaning behind them and the 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 ability for them to pull the stories from their own life was it could have been a totally different even though it was made have been the same words same message mm-hmm. but it meant something totally different because they'd actually worn those shoes yeah, i've heard multiple people share with me that when they have gone out to ask thought leaders those types of questions that they have never received a no, but actually the opposite where that, that individual is like, Oh, almost relish. This is the thought to be able to pay it forward, to have a conversation with somebody younger, to share those stories. And they're, they're the most valuable conversations I think you can have, especially uh, as someone is either starting a new venture or whether you're early in your career and you can, and you have the ability to tease out, you know, that knowledge from somebody who's had real world experiences 
And you, you can't put a price tag on that. Well, I'm a, I'll, I'll throw one back at you here because, you know, here we're, we're two business guys here just, just talking of an evening, and you and I can talk business like some people could talk sports. I mean, we just, <laughs> we're that kind of, I mean, we're just yeah. back and forth all night long about business. And maybe for, the, for some of your audience that are saying, we know I might, I'm not an, an entrepreneur. I don't, you know, I don't have the business acumen or whatever. Well, this, this adage still applies to you because, you know, in my story, the stuff, the financial things we went through, and I guess I'll, I'll even pull one out, my wife, mm-hmm. um, we've had three miscarriages. And it was a lot. It was all during that time. The stress that was our family was under. I mean, everything that was going on. And I, I mean, I absolutely hate that. But what she has done to parlay that into, I mean, this is those are deep wounds that she has that she still carries today. But inevitably, God will put people in our life, and I've seen it happen literally dozens of times. And she is okay, and she has made herself okay with opening up and not just putting that into a closet and saying, I, that was so painful. I'm never going to go back to that closet ever again. But when, when that person is laid in front of her that is experiencing that for the first time and mm-hmm. doesn't, and her world was turned upside down, Jennifer will go back to that closet, pull out that memory, pull out what gave her strength mm-hmm. and say, listen, I know she'll jump in the boat with that person. Mm-hmm. And she'll say the race that you're starting I've finished it and I've gone through it and I survived and here's where I drew strength from and here's how I got through that. So you don't have to be the, hey, I've owned 10 businesses or I've done this or I've done that or I'm in Silicon Valley or I'm the CEO of this company. You can take your life experiences that are that is personal to you and if you're open to it, that's what I love about like life groups and groups that at church or even just organizations that when you can open yourself up to what your journey has been, I guarantee there's people that are at the starting line of a race that you've finished. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. The landmines that you can help them sidestep. Mm -hmm. Well, I I, I really appreciate you bringing that out because I think over my career, I've had the opportunity to to chat with various people and uh, especially young people whether it's in a college campus or a mentoring type session, and inevitably there will be a conversation that comes up where someone says, well, I just, I don't know what value, you know, I'm bringing to the table or they minimize their potential or their value in the world because for a whole host of reasons, right? We, we all have, we all battle certain, you know, kind of demons, if you will. And what you've, highlighted is that every single person has value regardless of your educational background regardless of what you do but a a lot of that value is your life experiences and what you've learned through just living life just and there's many people out there who need a friend who who need someone to support and encourage and i've just i found time and time again that if you're able just to be open and transparent and to have empathy with others, it's amazing how many people around you might be struggling with the exact same thing you struggled with or be going through the exact same heartbreak. And when you're able to, as you said, what Jennifer did, right? She was being vulnerable because she was, she was vulnerable to kind of open up and say, yeah, I've been there. She was having empathy and saying, I know how you feel. Here's what's going on. Let me give you words of encouragement. I, we, we need way more of that today, I think, in our culture as opposed to it's easy to get heads down looking at your phone getting you know wrapped up but analyzing 
Those the, trials are gifts. Yes. yes. They really, truly are. One thing I love, I mean, you and I are partners in, in a company called Bonvera. And one thing I love about that space in general is it takes people that has that inner drive of entrepreneurism. Now, they may be getting a W-2 during the day, and they don't know how or where or why. Because, you know, to start a company, most people, you know, I, I call it the three-legged stool. I mean, you either have the capital or you don't. You maybe if you have the capital, you don't want to risk it. So you got, I mean, and then maybe you have the capital and you're willing to risk it, but you don't know how. You know, that's why franchising is so. You popular. don't have not. You don't have the idea. You don't, you don't have, have the idea. You don't have the plan, the blueprint. You got to kind of have all those. And what what a company like Bonvera does is it actually levels the playing field. You know, your your risk for reward uh, pendulum. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's it's almost non-existent. Um, so you take, take away the capital need, which is typically in a normal franchise or business, a couple hundred thousand to seven figures, right? Mm-hmm. You, the, the risk, the plan is set in place with the new way MBA that you guys are talking about, mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the blueprint and the, the mentorship is there. But even deeper than that is now you're taking a person that has life experiences that has quote unquote, what I'll say are gifts, mm-hmm. those trials that have been through their life. And you're, you're linking up with people that are just lockstep with them in the journey, and they're opening up about the things that they're dealing with in a way that you're not going to do at the water cooler, you know, at your typical job. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're immersing yourself in these people's lives, and you're going to learn about where they're at and where they're struggling. And I, I just, I've seen it. I, you can never guarantee anything, mm-hmm. but I swear I've seen it hundreds of times and thousands of times where inevitably that person that is now in your path that you didn't know last week is dealing with something that you dealt with last year. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to help them through something. And it's, it's just, it's, it almost gives me goosebumps thinking about it because those are gifts that you didn't know were gifts that you're going to pay forward to help somebody else that you didn't even know last week. I love the space that, that Bon Vera represents. Well, it's a great segue to another question I have for you. So with all the various business opportunities that you have in front of you, the various companies that you're running and investing in, why why did you get involved in this space? Why, why are you passionate about Bonvera and what the co- this company is doing? You know, I mean, that's actually a really great question because the opportunity cost of money today is, I mean, it's not a we could we could deploy that capital in dozens of places Mm -hmm. and um some maybe even more of a sure deal or whatever but you know it's not always about that and so what what really what really triggered us on bonvera actually happened over the last 40 years jennifer my wife grew up in a family that was very successful in the network marketing space. And through her childhood, she would literally sit in the next room while couple after couple after dozens and hundreds and thousands of over, you know, decades here mm-hmm. would come in and sit in their parents in her parents' living room and they would just be pouring out their life. I mean, they were to say, We're struggling here. We're doing I mean, it would be personal, it would be business, it would be both finances, I mean, you name family it. Family kids. Family kids. I mean, life, right? Yeah. But you don't realize most people don't have somebody that they can trust to open up and be vulnerable with. And so when they find that person, it's... They tell you everything. <laughs> they tell you everything. I mean, grab a cup of coffee and have a seat. Yeah. But what she heard 
was the heartbeat of lives changing, mm-hmm. of things you don't see at work. And I'm not docking, I'm not knocking on jobs, mm-hmm. but there's something special about what this industry of network marketing and that, that, that Bonvera is in that it's the heart of somebody that truly cares enough to take that couple hours of an evening and walk someone through what they're dealing with. And when the call came for that, 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 that capital that was needed to take Bonvera to the next level, I looked at her and she looked at me and she said, how can we, how can we not say yes? How can the not at the end? It wasn't the number. It was, how can we not say yes? Because this is what that represents. Mm-hmm. Great answer. All right. So let's make a. Going a hard pivot here. Yeah. Let's, yeah, that's a great, let's, let's, do, let's take a hard, let's take a hard pivot. I want to hear about some of the books that you're reading. Oh man. You know, uh, I got a lot of windshield time. So audible's a good friend as mm-hmm. well. I, like I said before, man, I'm a business book junkie. There's no fiction involved in, in, I don't don't have time. Yeah. I I like fiction, but I just, I, I, I've shared with somebody recently that I just, I don't have time for it because I'm looking for something that I can apply into my life. I know I'm going to get hate mail for this, but (laughs) I just, I, I I have a disproportionate amount of romance novels. You and me going to have issues, bud. (laughs) Not none of those, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, I just, I love being fed and I love it through stories. Mm-hmm. And so when I can grab a book like Shoe Dog about Nike and I can, I can hear about the, um, the stories of the early days and the tough decisions that were made and the times they almost went bankrupt. And I say times uh, plural because right. it was multiple times and just the journey of that entrepreneur and, and how it came about. I mean, you look at it, what is today and if, Okay, I guess that was always it. Always has been. It looks obvious. Yeah, you it's don't obvious. realize that Phil Knight like shot the gap like over and over, over and, and over and over and over daily. Yeah, and it was it's it's I I love those stories and so you know stories like um, the book like American Icon mm-hmm. about Alan Malawi and how he came in from a from an aircraft company yeah. to to literally join arms with with Bill Ford and the Ford family and position that company to where when the recession hit and every other auto industry every other auto company in that industry was scrambling for debt and scrambling to try to stay afloat and taking buyouts from the government Mm -hmm. and yet they had positioned themselves perfectly for it Mm -hmm. but just but the the that book in and of itself, the behind the doors, the in the boardrooms, the decisions there, the shooting the gap to Mm -hmm. use your term it invigorates me because mm-hmm. what it does is it tells me, well, another book, um, the messy middle mm-hmm. talking about all these, a lot of them, the companies that you mentioned earlier, yeah. you know, the same story when you see today, I think an entrepreneur, if they, if they look at all these successful companies out there and they think, wow, I'm not them. And I can't, wow. I, they look at them and I'm going to kind of pivot here. Society in general this, the whole social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram view lens that we have into people's life, I think is horribly unfair. I hate it because all you see is 
their best picture on vacation, their perfect cup of coffee coffee with their devotional in the morning with their desk perfectly aligned, <laughs> you know, the perfect sunset on their back deck as everything, this, the yard is mowed, right. you know, come on, let's be real. You don't see the chaos. You don't no, see no the chaos, chaos that is on yeah. either side of the phone right. or in back of them as their right. kids are swinging from the chandelier, yeah. but it's, it's a perfect cup of coffee with the devotional, I mean, with flowers around it, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurs, same thing. You know, you see the, the the Nikes, you see the all these the multi billion the the companies that just sold for billions of dollars, but they don't see the chaos mm-hmm. that led up to that. They don't see Jeff Bezos in a, a rat infested, you know, strip exactly. mall office with a desk yes. where, where it was like a door on like what are they, wooden horses, yeah. the, the, right? Or and the it, day that 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 Steve Jobs calls uh, Netflix guys and said, "Hey, come to my office," you know, and and pitches to try to buy them out Mm -hmm. or you know all these and and you know netflix or uh netflix was only like 12 months old at the time Mm -hmm. and you know all these different stories and so but when you're in when you're in your own entrepreneurial journey you're in that quote-unquote messy middle as Mm -hmm. that book would say you you kind of compare yourself to the highlight reel of all these other companies and that's not fair mm-hmm. because it's not re- it's not real. Yeah. And so if you can peel the onion back, sometimes ten layers, and see that they were where you are as well, mm-hmm. maybe to some degree. And okay, okay, I'm not the first thing. I'm not the first one through this. I'm not the only one that's dealt with this issue and having to make tough decisions and all of that. And just because their Facebook profile, quote unquote, mm-hmm. doesn't look the same or is it's it's perfect that doesn't mean that behind you know one layer deep is Mm -hmm. chaos right and so i love books that that peel back the onion and and shed light on those journeys for me i think i've got to continually be reading those types of books i love the one the, the, the the stories the the biographies that are highlighting those um those journeys from startup to success because it really does give you uh, the proper lens of the pathway from from startup to you know a, a successful company. And I, I I love the way you highlighted that you feel that it is unfair. I think it's one of the um, one of the I think the challenges of of entrepreneurs who are going from entrepreneur right someone who wants to be an entrepreneur and then taking that leap. In becoming an entrepreneur, if they have a false sense of reality of what that is going to happen, and they've got that the, they're they're looking at the myth, which is, hey, I'm starting a business today, and guess what? It's going to be super successful. We're just going to go. We're going to climb, climb, climb. They, you know, the, the the adage of you know all business plans are up and to the right, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and uh, those and false t- expectations. And 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 so you've got to ha- you've got to almost inoculate yourself from that myth. And really study the you know the, the the journey of all these various companies, and when you do, you realize that there's there's one common feature, uh, which is obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, near death experience, shooting the gap, you know the, the the pressure and the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you get to it, but, but it's fun. I mean, people are like, oh my gosh, what you've just said, Bob, makes me not want to be an entrepreneur, makes me not want to start a business. Absolutely not. But it is so much fun. But you just have to you have to proper you know 
you know, don't expect that you're going to have your billion dollar unicorn day two, right? You, it's going to take some time. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it sucks that you get your rose colored glasses cracked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well actually take them off and throw them away. That's, those are unreal expectations. Don't place those on yourself. Mm-hmm. If you run in and think, Hey, I'm going to, you know, day one, I'm going to be, or even year one, I'm going to break even, I'm going to start making money. No, those are, you know, set yourself up for success as well, even with your own expectations, you know? And so study, I mean, look at the journeys of people. Don't, don't put so much pressure on yourself that you have to be what those guys took 10 years or maybe 20 years to get to. Don't think that you have to get there day one. You know, that's that's not fair for you or your business either, because then you'll be making decisions based off of what you think where you should be, where it took some of the companies 10, 20 years to get there. Right. You know, there is a path and there are there is a journey. And, you know, I'd be the one first one to tell you that, you know, I don't I don't sit back and enjoy the journey as much as I should because I'm so anxious and I'm I'm such a, Mm. a driver, you know, and so. Some of the other books that I've been reading kind of dial dial that in, like the Trillion Dollar Coach by Bill Campbell. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the a Silicon Valley, he was a, like a football coach, but he's also a Silicon Valley Columbia, coach yeah. for um, multiple. I mean, the, the Trillion Dollar Coaches and named that way because literally the guys that he was, you know, coaching on the in in the Valley is it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's the who's who's, the Steve Jobs, the Larry Page, the Eric yeah. Schmitz. I mean, we're talking about Google, Apple, Intuit. I mean, really. I mean, these guys are, it's not just, you know, bottom of the rung companies. And and what he, how he was dialing it in as far as identifying a problem and addressing it. Mm-hmm. He was able to get the elephant, put it out on the middle of the table, but do it in a way that created trusting relationships and did it in a way that instilled courage with the people around him. You know, speaking of the American Icon book with Alan Malawi, one of the biggest things that I remember from that book is that Ford had created a a culture to where nobody wanted to deliver bad news. And so they would come into these meetings and they would have a stoplight approach where a green, yellow, red light on different projects they were Mm -hmm. working on. And everybody's green. Everybody's green. It's like, hey, we're losing millions a day, but everybody's green. Hey, life's perfect. Yeah. Okay, something's amiss here. Right. Well, so Alan comes in and says, and, and he created a culture very quickly. And it, it the book highlights one instance where one guy put red. Mm. And literally, when it when it showed up on the screen as the book illustrates, the whole the whole room just went quiet, like, oh crap, he's fired. Right. Because that was the culture they had. If you if you had anybody delivered bad news, you got the axe. You're done. You're done. So, I mean, everybody in the room was was saying, okay, we'll see if he's even around tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll deliver boxes to his office so he can start piling his crap in, you know? But then the next day, he showed up. Then the next day, and then how did how did Alan, how did he react to it? Hey, thank you for pointing that out. How can we fix that? Hey, how you, can we help? How, how can, can we, we help? How can we get the team to come in and fill in the gaps and, and, and work with you to get that to a yellow, to a green? And it, and then what, what do you know? The next board meeting, there's more reds, there's more yellows. And so creating in a culture to where it's not just all butterflies and roses, Mm -hmm. it's here's the issue. Let's identify it and let's move quickly to addressing it and, and encouraging people and giving them the courage 
to not have to be perfect, to, to say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with. Who, can, or who around me can help? Well, the two books that you just highlighted, uh, especially Alan's journey at Ford and turning Ford around, uh, and then also Trillion Dollar Coach. I, mean, I think there's a principle there uh, of the truth teller. You, in business, you have to be able to deal with hard truths every day. You can't you know, gloss it over. Oh, and, and whether you're dealing with investors, whether you're dealing with your business partners, whether it's staff, you know, vendors, I mean, it's just hard truths. I mean, some of the things that you know, I've even navigated over this last year, what, what frustrates me beyond measure is if I feel like I have a, either a partner or a vendor or somebody right, who is not willing to deal with the hard truth. It's just it, 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 in in my context in the world in which I I live and how I try to operate. If I find a situation like that, something has to change. No, when you have a partner, you have a vendor that's that's basically trying to they're self self preserving. They're trying to preserve something that's that they know is not right, that the situation isn't right, but they're just self preservation mode. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to get anywhere. And so what, what Bill Campbell, what he was able to do is he was able to quickly create a culture, not about, who, not about who's to blame or what happened, but what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, you can deal with the first two. Okay, boom. Who is it? You know, what, who's to blame? Okay, okay. None of those things what matter. Is, what are we going to do? How are we going to do about this? Let's, let's move to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're dealing with so many different companies, I feel like, you know, any, any different day of my week, I feel like a fireman. I just go from fire to fire to fire to fire and put out the different various fires in the different businesses. You don't rarely, you don't, if you don't hear from them, it's good. Mm-hmm. You don't deal in the positive a lot of times. And so right. sometimes you get mired down in the, kind of in the trenches of firefighting every day. And it's because you're dealing with the chaos and the drama and the, the, the proverbial fires that are springing up, not if, but when. Mm-hmm. And you got to be okay with it. You got to be okay with that journey and understand that it's it's not going to be perfect. But that's oh, but that's all right. And and in in some of those fires, I'm dealing with one of my companies right now that we had to that somebody took a different position somewhere else, and some some other guys are going to have to step up. And in that transition, one of the general managers now has found tens of thousands of dollars of of inefficiencies hey that's you just paid for somebody's salary right there yeah you know but it came out of a trial somebody having to step up take over things that weren't maybe in their core competencies but inside that chaos they found a gem Mm -hmm. well well, it's interesting i'm gonna ask you a question on that i i've found that sometimes when you get a fresh set of eyes on a problem it's interesting a perspective that somebody will have, All right? So here you ha- you're just talking about somebody who left, probably a critical member of your team, but somebody else stepped in. They're new to that position, fresh set of eyes, and took a look at the problems there and be like, "Hold on, I, I'm seeing X, Y, and Z, certain inefficiencies. I want to be able to dial this in." And, and so there's, I think there's a couple of lessons in there, right? Number one, outside fresh perspective on all things is good for a business. You need to have, if you've got just a this total insider view on your business, it, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Well, 
one of the books that I didn't, the originals. Yeah. I had that. I mean, that that's in the back of my head. And one of the things, I mean, there's multiple stories in that book, but one of them is, is you're bored, mm-hmm. create a culture that is okay with dissent. Mm-hmm. You know, that different perspective you're talking about. The other, the other lesson I think out of that you've just kind of highlighted there is sometimes you go through an experience where you feel like, like I would imagine you lose this individual, like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this is a valuable person Absolutely. on the team. I, I don't have time right now to have to replace them and hire them. This is going to set me back. Never a good time for that. Never a good time. But it, 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 you, so your initial gut reaction is this is negative. But in actuality, you brought somebody else in new, fresh perspective. They've been able to fix inefficiencies, save tens of thousands of dollars in inefficiencies, whatever. So it actually turns out to be a positive in your favor. You know, one of my friends highlighted to me in my career said, Bob, a lot of times our initial gut reaction on things is wrong. You'll take a look at a situation and be like, oh my gosh, this thing's negative. And in reality, it's going to be a positive. So I think if... It's important for entrepreneurs. I mean, this podcast is for entrepreneurs, people who are taking the leap. I think it's really important that no matter what comes your way, no matter what obstacle, you might take a look at it at the moment, like this is negative. And if you look at it through a different lens, a different angle, I think you'll find that there's most often something positive that comes out of it. Oh yeah, failures, that's just an opportunity for success, you know, in in a different light. But, you know, one lesson actually that where I thought you may have gone, may go with this. And it's, um, the, say you're coming into a board or something and you have that, or say you're on a board and maybe you're the leader of the board. You're the CEO of this company. And here comes a fresh perspective. You also, that leader also has to shove his pride in the corner and check it at the door. Because if, if he's bringing in a new set of eyes and if he's bringing in somebody that, may not know a lot about the company but it's but a fresh that fresh perspective that could could really change big time some of the, the directions that he's going mm-hmm. if he's got pride and if he's if he's not humble to to the perspective that this person's bringing in he could be shoving out the one of the best things for his company right you know and so that that pride of authorship i see happens so many times with entrepreneurs that they don't chuck that, open themselves up and say, okay, yeah, this guy may have something, even though I may not agree, let's dive into it. Let's create that dissent. Let's banter and be, have that constructive banter of, okay, let's, okay, what about this? Or what about, if there's one thing I remember about my grandfather is, um, as, as he was getting older, I would come over to his house and, uh, He'd yell at my grandmother and say, hey, Timber needs a pepper. That means a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and we'd sit there over a couple of Dr. Peppers, and I'd say, what about this business idea? And then we'd just battle it back and forth. And, what about, okay, what about this? Well, and then you'd have to do that. Okay, what about that? Okay, well, then you'd have to do this. And we would just banter about different things. And I learned so much about the ability to just check my pride, be okay with someone having a different opinion than me, mm-hmm. but then also be able to stand up and know why I believe what I believed, but then also with new information, be able to come off of it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you end up with something that's so much better than either of you ever could have done on your own. I love it. All right. So one of the things that we've, as we've been talking this evening, we've been taught, we've been highlighting, which I think is very important. You can't, you can't gloss it over. The entrepreneurial journey is going to be full of obstacles. It's going to be full of stress. 
I personally love it. I can't imagine I, it, it. It lends itself to a a non dull life. It's there's always something new, always something exciting. But we have okay. If we if we're honest, we we have talked an awful lot about the obstacles and the stress and the things like that. So I want to I want to do a, a hard pivot on this <laughs> and say so. With all these companies that you're managing and running, various investments, what do you do? to relax because that's also an important part right i mean so the reason that somebody is in business a lot of times i mean you're you're, you're not doing it just for the fun My of it i've asked you this till you'd ask this question no but I, you know I was, well I, you I, you and i had an opportunity to go out to california and spend some time in napa and enjoy oh, some, yes. some great wine so I'm, I'm 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 hoping that you're gonna uh talk a little bit about that but you know you, you work for a reason and there's benefits that being an entrepreneur produce uh, being your own boss, being able to dictate your own schedule, you know, it also maybe affording a different type of lifestyle than mm-hmm. than uh, you would if you were just an employee in a, in, a, in a company. So I just I'm curious as to how do you disengage? How do you relax? How do you enjoy time? You know, obviously, I mean, the, obviously, like trips like to Napa and just with great friends and great company, where you can sit back and just enjoy a different part of the country and a different culture. And I mean, some of the some of the the estates that you and I were able to go into were just epic. I mean, first class. And then we got to hear the story of that entrepreneur. I mean, you can never get away from it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and of oh, course, you and I were Kansas always asking boy. questions. We're like, okay, tell, who, where did this guy come from? Exactly. Where, you know, how did he make his money? What was he doing? Why oh, is he? I yeah. love it. Yeah. And, and, and of course, one of the ones we went to was Rudd. And he had just, Leslie Rudd is uh, from Wichita, Kansas, and just passed away, owner of Dean and DeLuca and um, several vineyards out there and one of them that you and i were able blessed to be able to go to is the one that just his family his like, private estate's his not private. open to the, to the state uh, oh. to the public and, it, and man that was phenomenal ah, that the was architecture there so just much the, fun the story and the history around that mm-hmm. just that family vineyard mm-hmm. is not open to the public oh love it but you know i'm i'm i don't do that enough i mean if, if uh, full disclosure here i mean i love to work out do I, should I tell you that I probably haven't been in the gym in the last year? You know, that's not healthy. I mean, you, none of us are perfect. This is probably the area that I struggle on the most. But if I were to say, um, you know, in the last year, my family, uh, Jennifer and I purchased 75 acres of land. It's always been a, a dream of ours to do that. And uh, on that land, we're currently building a home and digging a six acre pond and, you know, Bill and Jan Newton, my my in-laws, and Cody and Tara Newton, my brother-in-law and sister, are gonna live out there as well. They're they're buying some some land with us as well, and call it a family compound is just I mean it's it's euphoric in 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 our way of thinking, mm-hmm. and uh, going out there and sweating, you know, going out there grabbing a chainsaw and trimming the trimming the the hedge trees and or or taking the the burn pile that's you know, two stories tall by, you know, 50 feet wide and burning it with my boys Mm -hmm. and, or jumping on the tractor with my 10 year old and bush hog in the field that, that the grass is too tall. There's something about just being out there and doing and just manual labor that takes my mind away from the, the constant day to day trials and decisions and all of that. And it just, it's a release for Mm me. I may be sick and twisted, but it's out there. I'm sweating. I'm working. You know, putting on the gloves, the work jeans, and just getting after it. Well, you say, yeah. You know, I want to 
like kind of interrupt you there because you said that you haven't worked out for a year, but you haven't worked out for a year in a gym, right? True. But I mean, the, the, what you're doing is you're working out like most human beings worked out for, you know, all of you know, human civilization. Not showing up to the spa to yeah. lift some weights. That's right. Yeah. So you're out there. You're out there actually doing you know real real work. So I, you know you're still you're still fit. You're still taking care of yourself. Absolutely. But you know what? Even in that, I mean, I'm my personality is very deep, and so I, I I think through things a lot. And even in that, you know, I've got three boys, and I got a, I got a girl um, that rage in age from you know five to to twelve. I was I grew up in an entrepreneurial family that you know hundred plus hour work weeks was the standard procedure, you know. You, you, dad had, had watched the news at night and ten o'clock news, and it, hey, it's gonna freeze tonight. We got to go cover that basement because they were home builders. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up on a roof. It was my summer jobs were framing and siding and building decks, and mm -hmm. they taught me how to work hard. And grandfather had a saying he said uh if you plan if you got everything done that you plan to do today you didn't plan to do enough i mean that was the that was the that's how we rolled okay you can take a break when you're dead so i'm just <laughs> i thought we were talking about relaxation well, and like you know okay so how how do we get back on work See, i think you're, I, you're a workaholic I, I'm, I'm, I'm twisted i'm yeah. telling you but when i'm out there with my kids i want them because i can teach them how to work smart and so in that you know out there sweating and working with my boys and my girl beside me, they're learning the skills of how to work hard, mm -hmm. which I think is somewhat lost in this, in this young generation of how to work hard because they're so entitled. Mm -hmm. I want them to know what it feels like to sweat and to get your fingernails dirty into a good hard day's work. I can teach them how to work smarter later. Mm -hmm. I can teach them how to own a business right. and how to do that, but you know how to get gritty and dirty and work, you know, for me, that's a release, mm -hmm. and so okay. There we go, full circle, full awesome. Circle. See, Look, there, it is. there, there it you is. go. You landed it. All right, so that's a release. Getting your, you know, being and, able and, to get out there and and of course, just sitting up after the kids have gone to bed and and landing the plane with Jennifer, of an evening, mm -hmm. and you know, sitting out on the back deck or even just curling up on the couch and just recounting the day or just, I've learned to a lot because of the struggles that we went through those early parts of our marriage, mm -hmm. where you couldn't afford to do anything else. I've learned to relish those times with her, whether it's just me and her being able to sit there, look in each other's eyes or just sit on the couch and even watch a, a Netflix to where you take your brain. I like movies. Mm. Why do I like movies? Because it takes my brain into a place that's not the daily grind. So not everybody likes movies. I love them. And I'm, yeah, I can get sucked into a good movie. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I see the smile on your face as you start talking about it. I, that that's something about you I did not know. You're so a movie aficionado. All right. Oh, I mean, I don't watch as many as I'd like to just because of the time. But when I do find a good one, oh, it's 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 a gem, and I'll cry. I'm a crier when it comes to a good movie. Oh, you suck me in. I'm I'm a basket case. Oh, so you like like halfway through Notebook, you're in tears. Oh, done. Done. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, if it's, a, if it's a movie about a boy and his son, and somebody loses, some, I mean, I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So what? Uh, what's on your bucket list? Place you want to go? Oh man. Something you want to do? You know, um, travel. I, I married a, a little gypsy gal. I mean, she, her, she she has just wings in her that she wants to fly, and you know, going places and experiencing other cultures. Um, yeah, of course, the Tahiti's or the Bora Bora's. I mean, those are just, 
yeah, those are bucket lists for B- sure. BVI, yeah, BVI. I mean, I've I've yet to be the. To the I've never been there, so I've heard somebody that's. I'm gonna take you. Yeah, absolutely. You've got you've got friends in high places, so uh, you know those trips are gonna be epic, and I I look forward to those as well. But I mean, even the the culture of Italy and over in the Mediterranean and in Europe and China and Africa and just experiencing those other places uh, is something that I look forward to with. Um, it's not, it's not today. It's mm-hmm. not this season, but I can see it in the horizon and uh, hopefully we're setting the stage correctly to be able to experience those types of things. Cause those, those are definitely on our bucket list. So you like travel. I, I do like travel. I like home. Okay. Um, and so does Jennifer, but uh it's I want to go somewhere for a week or two and and know that I'm not coming back to chaos. You're right. You know, and so no, we, I look good. forward to those times. Nice. What are some of your biggest pet peeves? Oh wow, um, people not being honest, character, just character stuff. <laughs> you might laugh. I am from Kansas, so big hat, no cattle. Mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't stand it when people you know will. You know, Facebook is notorious for this, you know. It's big hat, no cattle, uh, like, universe right there, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's people pontificating about things that they think might be true, that they think sound good from a on a Facebook Live or something like that, but yet they have never experienced the, the same or the like of what they're pontificating about. And uh, so that is the epitome of big hat, no cattle. And, uh, and not that I've experienced everything. And far from it but i just yeah that that's one of my pet peeves as well um, so who's a thought leader that inspires you oh man or anybody just not to be a thought leader just who inspires you you know i, I spoke about him several times um but my my grandfather um commonly known as papa joe mm-hmm. uh was was one of the, was that guy for me um he he enabled me to he he drew out of me the don't be scared action cures fear take a step forward don't be the ready aim 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 guy ready aim fire yeah do your due diligence make calculated decisions but don't be afraid to pull the trigger don't be afraid to make mistakes he was he was always out there swinging for the fences i mean at 85 the guy bet the farm on a Dodge Chrysler Jeep dealership in an, in two in one state away mm-hmm. at 85, he was still rolling the dice and it, it, I love it because it was just that mentality of, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go mm-hmm. do it. I mean, he, his brain was not dead. His body was failing, but his brain was still mm-hmm. alive and rolling. Mm-hmm. And, and he taught me how to banter. He taught me how to, to have constructive conversations and being okay with being wrong and being okay with being the dumbest guy in the room. He goes, Timber, if you're the dumbest guy in the room, you're learning a lot. You're in the right room. You're in the right room because you just need to grab a notebook and start writing, Bubba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Exactly. And so he, he gave me a different lens to look at the uncomfortable situations that most people try to run away from. Mm-hmm. And he said, cherish those. Find those. Seek them out. And that will be your differentiating factor. Someday you'll be able to grab that and pull from that 
and you've created a network of people that you can uh, not necessarily leverage because that's a negative connotation, but I love the network of business mm -hmm. because you can you make a relationship today that you're going to pull on a decade from now that's going to be mutually beneficial for both. And that network of, of just business owners, I love. And then he mm -hmm. taught me how to create that. When you started talking about your grandfather, there's like this moment of pause and you could just see like this emotion in your eyes and kind of like well up over your face as you're just thinking about them and what's, what's there. I mean, I, I think, you know, everybody's got emotional response to their grandparents, but there's something extra I think there, as you talk about your grandfather, is it, what did you admire the fact of the way he lived his life and the man that he was and you aspired to be him? Is it that he paid extra, um, maybe, you know, mentorship or something to you, but there, there's some, there's something different it goes deeper than just like, I think most people will talk about their grandparents There's something else there. What, what, what is it that's eliciting that response? Man, you know, I've talked so much about him over the years, but I, I'm not sure if I've ever been asked the question exactly like that. Um, Did he just invest a lot of time with you? What, what, what is it? You know, my dad and he uh, owned the construction company together. So, I was around him a lot and you know, it was more through just his actions and watching we'd go out to clear a field and it would just be how he worked and I wanted to keep up. You wanted to be him. I wanted to be that, you know? And so dad and he and my grandfather would be out there and clearing a field and Hey, it's time for a break. What are you talking about, boy? Let's go. You know? And it was just that, that work ethic. And then, but then it was as he slowed down later in life and we, um, he owned a couple different companies that he bought out his partner mm -hmm. and I was able to slide in and buy into his partner's position on mm -hmm. a couple different small companies. And just being alongside of him and working along with him and seeing how he thought. But I, I think I learned from him as that I don't have a fear, fear of failure that scares the crap out of my wife, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm definitely not, not she risk it want, first. Yeah, she, she didn't know she was marrying a riverboat gambler. Yeah, yeah. She didn't want to be 85 and me bet the farm. And so, uh, cause that's her farm too. And, but I, man, that's, that's such a great question. Uh, and it's going to cause me to ponder even after we get off tonight, because it wasn't one thing. He was, he, he wasn't perfect. He was gruff. He was, I mean, he, he was a coach in his first part of his career. He was a, it was a teacher and a coach. He didn't start building homes and be an entrepreneur until he was 50. He was a farmer, mm -hmm. you know, and then he, he parlayed that into business. But like my dad was more conservative and reserved and my grandfather would have bet the farm together. They made a really good team. One would have lost it, gained it, lost it, gained it. And the other one would have never maybe risked it. Right. Together. They made a good team. And so I think I got from him that, hey, it's okay to not be the smartest guy. It's okay to make some mistakes. Don't be afraid of failure. Just keep pressing forward. Stay in action. And by golly, never freaking give up. Mm -hmm. Ever. You know, whether it be your marriage, whether it be business, whether it be friendship, press through things. And then at the end of the day, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I've seen him make decisions that were totally against him financially or even family issues that came about 
that he had to make a decision on. At the end of the day, just do the right thing. Mm-hmm. In our gut, we know what it is. Do it. Well, I think that might be a great point for us to close on. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the listeners, the audience this evening as we kind of close up any, any, any parting words, words of wisdom, words of encouragement. Get into action, do something. I I think the, I think I see the, especially as, as I look at men, around my church, around in business, or just in, in general in society, and I feel like they've been neutered. And I just like, it, it pains me because I just want to grab them and say, you're created for greatness. You maybe not think you're a leader, but you are a leader. And find something, find someone that believes in you to get into action in some direction. Because... The courage of one will. What what is that? What is that saying? I think it was Billy Graham. Courage is contagious. Uh, when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are stiffened. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham, I, I I love that. Get yourself in a position where you can strengthen those around you. Have courage to move forward. Grab something that you can be passionate about. Does it have to be a business? No, it can be. Uh, Something that you're volunteering on, or a board, or some, or taking taking leadership of your little kid's soccer team. It doesn't have to be a business, but grab something, get into action, because that will stir things inside of you that will inevitably create something bigger inside of you in the future that you may not even know about today. It's awesome advice. Well, Timber, one of the things that I know is that one of the most stressful things that you can do in life is get in business with a bad business partner. And I will share with you that it, it, I have held you in high regard as you and I got partnered together back in the day. And my respect and admiration for you has only uh, grown since then. Uh, Not only are you very successful, but very wise. And it's been fun just being able to see how uh, you think and how you process. I've enjoyed you sharing a little bit of your life and your journey with us this evening. That feeling has been mutual. And I, I think that the, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing a different side of you as well in terms of your, uh, of what, what a role your grandfather played for you and how character and integrity and honesty and truthfulness and being a man of your word has been so in, in maybe ingrained in Absolutely. you from from him because those are the types of things I've heard you share yeah, not well only put. this evening but you know over over time and I think that oh, those are all foundational principles for an entrepreneur that's enabled you to grow a great network have great business connections to be able to rally uh, investors in your various business deals um, and so for for the listener I would just want I want to call those types those features out in this interview because i think that that is part of what has made you a very very successful uh, businessman and leader and and i'm honored to call you a a friend and business partner so for the listeners this evening i hope you've enjoyed this episode of the leap with timberly here in wichita kansas we will continue 
to bring you great thought leaders like Timberly and many others. If you have somebody that you would like us to interview and highlight on this podcast, please email our staff and we will make sure to do our best to interview them. Uh, until next time, go out there, make a difference in the world, be a great friend to somebody, take action in your life no matter what it is, and do not be afraid to take the leap. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.